0: Ask you to open your Bibles with me to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter eight. Brother John read a portion of Scripture in Hebrews chapter eight. We've been in Hebrews chapter eight for a couple of weeks now. When we first got into this chapter, we looked at verse one. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum, and we try to put in the context the sum of the things that it is that God is wanting us to understand. I ask you, uh, if you just keep your ribbon here in chapter 8 and turn back just a couple of pages to chapter 5, maybe just one page. In my Bible, it's just one page back. If you go back to chapter 5, boy, this this is such a... This is so important for us to understand. It says in verse 9, and being made perfect, this is speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, this is not to say that he was imperfect. And I really don't have time to re-preach that, but I need you to see the context. In being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, I bring this to your attention because in verse 10, chapter 5, verse 10, the Holy Ghost introduces the truth that Jesus Christ is a priest after the order, not of the order of Melchizedek, but after the order of Melchizedek, meaning in this same type of way. And then he goes on to say, and we'd like to say much about this, but this is difficult for us to express. And the reason that this is difficult for us to express He's probably going to, you want to you wanna open that door for a second? Go ahead, Jeremy, just walk outside and have a conversation with him. That's okay. Um, that's all right. Let's go back to what we were looking at. That doesn't happen every day. Mm-hmm. Amen. God wants us to understand that our Lord Jesus Christ is a priest in a specific, unique way. Now, here's the difficulty with preaching this. The age in which we live has a different difficulty than the age in which this was said originally. At the time that it's written right here, The difficulty that the Hebrews had with this is, is, are you telling me, this is them speaking, are you telling me that we're replacing the Levitical priesthood with something else? Are you telling me that we're removing the temple and we're not going to practice that anymore? And they really had a difficulty with this. Now, I want you to understand why they have a difficulty with this. And the answer simply, humanly speaking, would sound like this because they had done so for so many years. But that's not the reason that they have a difficulty with this. The reason that they have a difficulty with this is the same reason that we have a difficulty understanding the priesthood of Christ today. And that is this. We want to do this in our flesh. We want, listen, we want God to be in a box that we can understand. We want to take him out when it's necessary. We're even willing to acknowledge that he's a very great God and that we should, if you will, bow to him or tip our hat to him or acknowledge his greatness. But we believe that we can do this in the energy of our flesh. Because we think this is true, we have a hard time understanding, I don't see the big deal. I don't understand why it's significant, why I need to have this priest, this great high priest, their difficulty was it was this. We already have Aaron, or Aaron's sons, if you will. We already have the Levitical priesthood. Why do we need to replace the Levitical priesthood? So in chapter 5, when he introduces this, he says, there's very much that God would like to say to you, the Hebrews that this is written to, but it's hard for us to express it, not because it's hard to talk about, but it's hard to talk about in ways that you'll understand because you don't even understand the significance of it. Now, this was very needed in their day, but it's more needed, and it's amazing that that would be true, that it's more needed in the age in which we live than it was in theirs. American Christianity, listen to me, please hear me, American Christianity is almost all about human effort. And independent Baptist churches are not an exclusion of that. In fact, I would maintain that we are probably one of the most guilty of all of the "quote unquote" denominations anywhere in the world. What we listen, what we do, Brother Don said this morning in the Sunday school hour, and he said when he made the statement, there was actually a few people who who um, um, made a made an audible "hmm," that's a good point, type of a sound, and that is this. He said we believe that coming to church is an act of worship. But coming to church isn't an act of worship any more than going to 7-Eleven is an act of worship. You say, but I got dressed. I don't look like this when I go to 7-Eleven, and I don't look like this when I go to 7-Eleven, unless I go to 7-Eleven on Sunday. I, this, is not, this is not how I normally would look. I dressed up to come and, and, and worship God. But see, that's all what? Physical. That's all fleshly. And some, listen, please hear me. Do you, do you realize that somehow in America we have made, especially in like independent Baptist churches, we have made the tie a sign of your spiritual walk? Some of you are looking at me and right are really happy that it's not because you're not wearing one. <laughs> listen, we actually look at the absence of a tie. I'm telling you, I know, I'm, a, I'm the moderator of the Pastor's Fellowship. The absence of a tie means you're just not as spiritual as the guy wearing a tie. Now, when I, when I make that, I open myself up. I'm telling you, I open myself up for criticism. Well, certainly you'd get dressed up to go see the president. I'm not sure I'd go see the president right now. <laughs> but if you were going to the, to the White House, wouldn't you get dressed up? And I would if I were going to the White House. But let me ask you this, and I mean this honestly. Did Jesus get dressed up to go see his father? And the answer is No. He didn't get dressed because it's not a fleshly thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't wear clean, uh, uh, um, um, uh, modest, attractive clothes when you come to church. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is wear these, but understand this is not worship. You getting quote-unquote dolled up does not make you more able to enter into God's presence. Do you understand? If we understood what it took to go into the presence of God, we would recognize it's only by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Only, only, all of us together doing all the good things we could do before we came to church on Sunday could not therefore say, I will give all of my goodness and all of your goodness and all of all of our goodness and we'll give all of it to Matt Noah. All of it, we'll heap it all on him. Now, Matt, you can go into the presence of God. No, he couldn't. Because our righteousness is filthy rags. We don't believe that though. We are constantly trying to impress God with our righteousness, but you don't have any righteousness unless you have Christ's righteousness. Amen? That's what he's trying to explain to them. He's saying the Levitical priesthood was a picture of something to cause you to recognize how great God is and that he wants you through mediated atonement to be able to come into his presence. But you guys took the form and made the form as if the form is what mattered. And we've done the same thing. So go to me just for a moment. This won't be a long message. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest, oh, we do, praise God, who is set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister, and I spoke about that last week. Our last message together in this was the fact that you have a minister of the sanctuary. And this is so important. The word minister here, remember, the word minister here is not the word for servant. It's not deacon, which it often is. Behind this, the word that we get deacon from is often behind the word minister in the English language. The Greek word that would mean simply a slave or a servant, somebody who does errands, someone that does something for you. But that's not what this word minister here means. This word minister means has this. He has the authority to facilitate. He has the ability. He is responsible for the sanctuary, and he has the authority to be responsible for the sanctuary. And guess what? He's the only one that does. He's the only one that does. Listen, who could go into the Holy of Holies in the actual temple? Just the high priest. Aaron. And then one of his sons, one of his sons, the son that became the high priest, could minister the sanctuary. Only one could minister the sanctuary. And then his son could minister the sanctuary. And then his son could minister the sanctuary. Only one. But all of them did not have a continuing priesthood. Why? Because of death, they kept dying. And every year they ministered it again and again and again and every time they ministered it was with a new sacrifice a new offering because the one they offered last year didn't get it done Do you understand For every high priest verse 3 for every is ordained Remember, able to minister, is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifice. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have to also to offer. For if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest. Seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. He's not even a Levite. If Jesus were on earth, he could not go. And that's a fascinating truth, by the way. Jesus on earth could not go into the holy of holies because he's not a Levite. Even though the whole point of all of that was to picture that he could go into the real holy of holies. So somebody else is already ordering gifts according to the law who serve, now verse 5, who serve as an example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God, when he was about to take the tabern- make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, God, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed unto thee in the mount. Everything in the temple was a picture, all of it. And it was picturing something that was real. And all of the blood that was shed, the altars, the washings, all, every, the burning of incense, every bit of that pictured something that wasn't natural but was supernatural, was spiritual. And, our, and, and see, we don't, I don't want to go, listen, please don't tell me that this is what you want for eternity, to go to church, right? This is not it. This is simply assembling with your brothers and sisters, hopefully to actually enter into worship together. But we are blessed to be able to live now in the presence of God. We, who are really new creatures, live every moment of every day in the presence of God now. Why? Because of what we're about to look at. Now, I've made reference more than once that when you get to chapter 8, verse 1, it says now the things which we have spoken, which is making reference all the way back to chapter 5, that it is introducing all of chapter 8, all of chapter 9, and all of chapter 10. Listen, please hear me. Write this in your notes. All of chapter 8, 9, and 10 are the sum of what was trying to be explained in 5, 6, and 7, okay? Okay everything that god wants is trying to explain that's hard to explain in 5 6 and 7 now he wants to sum it up and it's going to take 3 chapters to sum it up but but for the sake of time this morning and what i would actually hardly recommend is this that you begin in chapter 8 and you listen to i would recommend that you listen to it find an audio and if you you can find an audio version of the bible online very easily just you get on your computer find an audio version of the Bible, start listening to chapter eight and listen to chapter eight, nine, and 10 altogether. Then listen to chapter eight, nine, and 10 altogether. And then listen to chapter eight, nine, and 10. You say, oh, that'll take forever. And it won't. I promise you it'll take less time than you're wasting now on your favorite sitcom. And you are wasting that time. But that's what, it'll take less time than that to listen to it. Probably You can probably listen to all three chapters three times in less than a half an hour. And I, I don't think I'm exaggerating all to say that. It doesn't take very long at all to listen to them. But listen to them. Now, I recommend that you do this. I recommend that you listen to them while you have an open Bible in front of you and you follow along while you're listening to them. And that you ask God to show you, show me, show me what you want me to see concerning this summing up of this fact that I have such a high priest. And why does that matter to me? Go to chapter 10, verse 1. Chapter 10, verse 1. And you can just, you, we finish reading verse 5. I'm going to read verse 5. You stay in chapter 10, verse 1, because I'm going to finish reading verse 5, and I'm just going to immediately go into verse 1 of chapter 10. Who, who served under the example and shadow of heavenly things. This is what was told. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou makest all things according to the pattern showed unto thee in the mount. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually Make the comers thereto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins? But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, "...sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, our Lord Jesus speaking, "...lo, I come, and the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God." Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burn offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Amen? And and listen, doesn't that say it much better than we could? The whole point of the Levitical priesthood was to point to the fact that there is sin that needs to be dealt with. And these offerings... Picture that God has made a way that your sins can be dealt with. But nobody really believes that a goat's blood takes away sin. Nobody really believes that a bull's blood takes away sin. Nobody was ever intended to believe that. You will actually hear people say that the God of the Old Testament is blah, 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 and the God of the New Testament is different. That is not true at all. God, the God of the Old Testament wasn't confused and angry and mean and, and just wanted blood, 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 blood. The whole, whole point of it was this. There is a way for your sins to be forgiven, and it is an innocent sacrifice. And it's pictured through this innocent sacrifice. But this sacrifice isn't paying for your sins. The promise of the Messiah, He is going to pay for your sins. Jesus makes it very clear when He says, Offerings you have no no joy in them, none, right? Let's go back and look at it. It says in verse five, wherefore when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. You say, but they did it over and over and over and over again. Yes, they did it over and over and over and over again. And I preach over and over and over and over again, right? But my preaching is only to point. Do you understand that? The preaching, the preaching isn't what saves you. Christ is what saves you. The purpose of good preaching is to point you to the Savior. Amen? The purpose of all of the sacrifices was to point to the Savior, to point to the fact that God would provide himself a lamb. And John the Baptist has the privilege. What a privilege. What a tremendous ministry for John the Baptist to be able to say this. Behold, look, understand the Lamb of God, which actually takes away all that sin. Amen. All those other lambs just pointed to that one right there. This is the one that takes away sins. Amen. How many offerings does it take to take away your sins? And the answer is just one. But it's got to be the blood of Christ. But it's got to be the blood of Christ. Now, let me say this. If that's true, then how do you access God Daily. And the answer is the blood of Christ, always, only, only. I have said this a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred thousand more probably before I go to be with the Lord. If you have a bad day, you're, let's say you just behave yourself like you're capable of behaving yourself. And it is horrible to see, and you feel horrible when it happens. And you say, boy, I sure would like to go to talk to God about my sin. I sure would like to go see God about what I've done wrong. I sure need to know his forgiveness for what I've done. But before I can go see God, I better do some good things. No, 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 no. Don't make it worse. Don't make it worse. Don't go into the Holy of Holies with your good works. Don't make your way available through saying, I'll do something good, God, then I'll come see you and ask you to forgive me for the... The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Amen? Once, forever, yeah? It says, for by one... Now, hear me, read verse 14. Take it home, put it on your refrigerator. For by one offering hath he perfected forever them that are sanctified. Amen? Amen? One offering, forever. Now, so now you've had a good day. You don't have very many of those. If your life is anything like mine, you know, you say, I've had a great, wonderful, spiritual day, and and it's been joyful. And that's great. It is. And they're rare. They shouldn't be, but they are. Lord willing, they're becoming less and less rare. And I mean that honestly. And they are becoming less and less rare. And I praise God for the fact that they are in many of our lives becoming more and more the normal day of walking with God in the way that we should. So let's say you've had a great day. And you say, oh, I need to go pray for so-and-so. You know, I mean, I don't know how, in my life what happens is my phone goes in my pocket. I take it out and it's either a text message from somebody or somebody posted something on the prayer request chain. And I see that and I say, oh, Lord, I need, to, I need to approach you about this. So how do I go to God? Well, I've had a great day. Lord, I've had a great day. I feel worthy of coming into your presence. But you're not. But you're not. You need a priest. Amen. You need someone that can allow you access. You need a minister of the sanctuary who has made the offering, the one offering that matters. And so you've had a bad day, the blood of Jesus Christ is more than enough. You've had a good day, the blood of Jesus Christ is more than enough. Period. What is my access to God? Honestly, what is my access to God ever? The blood of Jesus Christ. Always. Always. You should start living in this light. You should start living daily every moment of every day, every hour of every day in this life, I can have free, full fellowship with God all the time because Jesus purchased that for me. He perfected me forever through the one offering that God the Father sees. Amen? Amen? So you can keep the shortest accounts with God. You don't have to ever do anything other than turn to God and say, because of the blood I approach you. I need to approach you. I know, I know what I was thinking. I know what I was doing. It's not what you'd have for me. I know as your son or your daughter, this is not what you wanted for me. And I confess that that's not what you want. Make me a different person. Continue to minister into my heart. We're going to be looking more and more at that coming after this, by the way. Continue to minister into my heart that which makes me the man or woman you want me to be. But I am so glad that I have access. And I can live right here in your presence. Amen? And I can live I can live a life without living in selfish sin anymore because I can walk and live in the presence of God because all of those pictures, every single one of these pictures, every single good godly sermon, all pointing to the same place, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. That's the word of God. And the message is, isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it simple? Isn't it easy for us to get away from this and to think we have to earn our way into God's presence? Now, when you preach a message like this, when I preach a message like this, I am frequently, I would say almost, almost always, someone will ask me, but pastor, if you preach that it's all because of the blood of Christ, then you allow people to do whatever they want to do, to live however they want to live. But Romans chapter six says, "God forbid that we who are dead to sin should live any longer therein." Amen. If 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 this sacrifice, if this if this blood has paid for your sins, if you're really a new creature, do you want to live like an old creature? And the answer is. Not, listen, not only do I not want to, it makes me sick when I do. Amen? But see, here's the, here's the good news. The God who shed his blood for you didn't just pay for your sins. He has the power. And boy, I tell you, this, I, I don't have this power. I can put my hands up all day long, you know what I'm saying? And I can strain real hard. But I can't pour out any power. I can't pour out any blessings. I can't change you in the inward man through the preaching and teaching of the word. But praise God, Jesus Christ can because he isn't able only to make a sacrifice so that you can approach God. He's able to pour out into your life the power of God, which is the whole reason God wants to step toward you to begin with. Listen, God didn't save you to get you into heaven. He saved you to have fellowship with you. He saved you so he could conform you to the image of his son so that while he's touching you now, he doesn't have to touch you in judgment anymore. Praise God. Now he can touch you in love. Now he can say, I will make you what you cannot make yourself. I will restore that which you have lost. I will build that which you have broken. Everything that's wrong with you, I can fix it. Amen?